Thank you for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed today's service. God is using the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in many people's lives, and we have heard numerous stories of life change. If God has used the ministry of Lakeside to make a difference in your life, we would love to hear your story. Please email us at amen at lakesidechurch.ca. When you feel it, once you see it, and you breathe it, it's unforgettable. When you know it, once you know it, and you hold it, it's unforgettable. Beat up but won't be broken, lonesome but always searching, homesick but nobody's heading home soon. Keep on, keeping on, keeping on. Long days and too many short nights, the wrong ways that almost felt right. Love sick but no one you're holding on to. So keep on, keeping on, keeping on And sing along, sing along, sing along, yeah To the dreamers, wide-eyed believers Hanging on to hope by a thread To the soulful, heart-open, hopeful Keep on charging ahead When you feel it, once you see it Question your courage Some days I can't walk for stumbling If we could only see what we're becoming So keep on, keep it on, keep it on And sing along, sing along, sing along When you know it, once you know it, and you hold it, it's unforgettable. I was wandering and I was wandering, so down and out I was lost, not found. History said, or oh, someone said that you could never exist. Then a whisper, the start of a kiss, came to me all of a sudden like a dream.
Well, I know just by the stats that many of you watch television. The question is, how many of you still watch the commercials? Um, but there was a commercial that caught my attention not that long ago. And uh, actually, there were two of them, and they're from Maple Leaf Foods. And uh, the first one is a fire truck pulls up to a house, there's smoke coming out of the house, and these firemen jump off the truck, and you don't see the firemen, you just see their boots falling off the truck, and uh, there's, a set, there's a bunch of firemen with big feet, and there's this one little set of feet. And then the camera pans to this little eight or nine-year-old boy, and he's holding the main hose that is squirting on that house, and he's giving direction to the other firefighters. And then you see uh, a firefighter come out of the uh, home, and he's carrying a teddy bear. And all of a sudden, the mother's voice interrupts this dream. And she tells him it's time to eat. And when you look around his bedroom, you see him holding onto the vacuum hose, and there's a fire truck there. Because he has this dream of being a firefighter. The second one, which is similar to the first, is a, a little girl, she's about 10 years old, and she walks into the operating room uh, at a hospital, and they pull up a little stool so she can reach the table, and there are other surgeons and nurses around, and she uh, is given some instruments, and she grabs hold of a plastic pair of forceps, and she begins to take stuffing out of the stomach of the teddy bear. And just as she does that, again, the mother's voice interrupts, and uh, you look around the room, and there's this little girl, and she's got hospital stuff and doctor's toys and so on. She's dreaming of being a surgeon. And the byline of the ad says this, you're not just feeding them food, you're feeding them potential. You're feeding their potential. And as little kids, all of us were dreamers. Just like the little boy who dreamed of being a firefighter or the little girl who dreams about a, a surgeon, we had those dreams. And as kids, we believed that we had the potential to reach those dreams, didn't we? We saw this blank page of a story that was still to be written of our lives, and we knew we were the authors of that story. And we had this sense of what could be in our minds, this sense of passion. We saw this destiny. We saw something that could be our purpose. And as little kids, we had those dreams. Dreams seemed to come easy to little kids. When we became teenagers, those dreams, some of them got dumped because they were childish. Some of them got refined or redefined, or some of them got changed. Uh, but they were dreams that we had that were more mature dreams as teenagers about what could be and how life could be. Because that's, you know, all of us have had those kind of dreams. And not only have we had those kind of dreams, we believed in ourselves that we had the potential to reach those dreams. And then after our teen years, we had other dreams, maybe refined versions of the original dreams, or maybe they were new dreams. But we had this idea, this sense of... Um, dreaming of what could be or what might be, and I believe that some of those dreams, whether they were children, teens, or as adults, some of those dreams were placed in our very minds and our hearts by God Himself. Because I believe that God pours into the heart and mind of every person what I would call these God-sized dreams. Dreams that help direct and define our purpose, drive our ambition, bring glory to God, make the world a better place, and we'll leave, you know, our mark on someone else, and it brings contentment and satisfaction to our souls. I believe all of us are giving those kind of dreams, all of us, God-sized dreams. But as life goes on and real life begins to happen, dreams seem to be, begin to fade. 
Maybe it's because of the reality of the circumstances. Some of them are hard and some of them are difficult and some of them are just real-life circumstances. The dreams begin to fade. Maybe it's because of the increasing demands of life, like jobs and kids and houses and all those kind of things. Maybe it's because of some negative voices that we still hear echoing in our heads from our past. Maybe it's because of some failures that we've experienced, or maybe just because of life and what has gone on in the world we live in. We've just got kind of cynical, but those dreams begin to be distant, and they, be, they, they begin to diminish, and sometimes they even die inside of us. And these dreams diminish, and they begin to kind of get shoved down below the surface of our thinking, and life kind of gets mundane and routine. And we get too weary wrestling with everyday events to even think that these dreams might be possible, even if we wanted them to be. And we, we just don't th we, we think, oh, pursuing these kind of dreams, it just can't happen. And sometimes because of what goes on in our lives and because of the demands, the routines and the responsibilities, we get to that point where we're just kind of doing life and we feel kind of in a rut and we feel trapped and we feel stuck and we think, yeah, I had that dream once. But today, it's impossible. Even if I wanted to pursue it, can't happen. And because of that, we have this little seed of a dream, and we know that we somehow can't pursue it, or we think we can't. We get discouraged and frustrated, and we lose enthusiasm for life, and we think there's no real sense of purpose in what we do. We're just kind of going through the motions. And it feels like life is just on autopilot. It's just a routine of responsibilities, deadlines, and demands. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get that? You know what? You had those dreams, but life has kind of crushed them or forced them to not be thought of kind of into the recesses of your soul. I know what that feels like. And yet, even with the responsibilities and the routine and the demands and all that's going on, there's something inside of many of us that makes us feel restless, like life isn't as it should be. And we got this sense, I I've been created for more than this more than what I'm experiencing right now. There's got to be more to this life, something different that I should be doing, something new that I should be pursuing. And I believe for some of us, that restlessness we feel in our soul is the seed of a dream that God once planted in there. But because of life, it's got kind of shoved down into our thinking. But it's a God-sized dream for your life. So I want to talk a little bit today about these God-sized dreams, and I want to start by just defining what I mean, what, what I mean by that. It's this. A God-sized dream is a holy, God-given, driving passion inside of you to do something special with your life. It is this God-given passion that you feel inside of you that you're going to do something special with your life. God gives you this desire for this purpose. God has placed this within us. And there is this criteria for these dreams. These dreams are first for God's purposes. These dreams are to bring glory to God. These dreams are to help make a difference in the world and make a difference in the lives of another person or other people. And these dreams, these dreams give us joy and happiness and peace and contentment and satisfaction. That's why they're so special because they make a difference, they glorify God, but they do something in every one of us. And if you're wondering, I don't even know what that feels like, what that dream might be, what that seed of a dream might, you know, be residing in my heart and soul, how would you answer this question will help. Here's the question. What would you do with your life if there were no obstacles and oppositions, 
There was that you were free from all the demands and responsibilities you have right now, and money wasn't an issue. What would you do with your life? You see, the answer to that question will give us a glimpse to maybe the seed of the dream that God has placed in every one of us, a dream that God has given you for His glory and for His purpose and to make a difference in the lives of others, but also to bring joy and satisfaction to our lives. Now, here's what's something that's really important about these dreams. You don't design it, you discover it. You, it's not self-selected, it's God-directed. It's not something that you invent, it's something you investigate. It's, it's, it's this idea that God has placed this dream and you figure it out, the dream that God has placed within you. The source of the dream has to be God or it's not a God-sized dream. And if it's not a God-sized dream, then there's nothing, it's nothing more than a fantasy that will distract you and that will leave you unsatisfied instead of being a purpose that will direct you and will drive you and you will find satisfaction. When God gives you a dream, as I say, it's for His purpose, for His glory, it's to make a difference, but it satisfies your soul. It's fulfilling to you. If it doesn't meet that criteria, then it's not likely a God-sized dream. And I believe that God continues to give men and women dreams, God-sized dreams, not just when we're children, not when we're adolescents, not when we're young adults, but God gives us dreams even when you're old like me. God continues to give all people these dreams. And Jesus was the master of this. We see Jesus walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and He sees three fishermen, Peter, James, John, and they're in the rut and the routine and the mundane of life. They have no other dream of what could be. They're doing the same thing their father did and their grandfather and likely their great-grandfather. They're fishermen. And all they do is fish at night and clean the fish in the morning and sleep during the day. That's what they did. And Jesus walks along and He says these words, come, follow me. And then He plants the seed of the dream, and I will make you fisher of men. I love the way the miniseries, the Bible, puts this line. You see the Jesus character saying to Peter, we can change the world. That's a God-sized dream given to these guys. And this God-sized dream captivates them and captures their heart, so much so that the Bible says that they immediately drop their nets. They say, bye-bye, Daddy. Push the, book, the boats on shore. And they're following the dream with Jesus. Because God-sized dreams can be that compelling, give us that kind of passion. They can capture our hearts. Now, I need to tell you that God-sized dreams are not all the same for everybody. They're not. They come in different sizes and shapes. They are unique because we're all unique people. We have a, a woman here, a young woman here at Lakeside, Melissa Martin. Sorry, Dad, after the first service. And through the support of Lakeside, she had a dream to go to Uganda and to make a difference in the lives of orphans. And she is pursuing that dream. That's her dream. It might not be yours. I talked to a Lakeside mom earlier this week, and she was asking about what Sunday was all about. And I told her, and I said, so what would your dream be? And she says, here's my dream. I believe that God has called me to raise my children, to be godly men and women, to make a significant difference in the world. That's the dream that God has given me. That's her dream. That might not be yours. 
Because these dreams come in different sizes and shapes. And it might be to start your own business. It might be to foster or adopt a child. It might be to give to a, you know, generously to a critical cause. It might be to serve as a volunteer in a key way, in a key place like Hope House. It might be to find some kind of ministry or to invest your lives in doing something for others or to invent something or to spread the message of Jesus through the use of technology or to go to other parts of the world and teach or to find a new job in a new field that kind of fits who you are, or it might be that you retire early and take all of that time and give it to some form of volunteering in some kind of ministry, or maybe it's going back to school and taking some courses or pursuing a degree. I don't know what it is. They're so different for all of us, and they're different sizes and shapes, but God places these dreams in men and women today, just as He did in the day Jesus was here. And the reason, the way we know they're God-sized dreams, here's how. They're for His glory, to fulfill His purpose, to make a difference to others, and they're satisfying and fulfilling to us. And we all have these unique dreams. I had one of these 23 years ago. And I've shared this story, but some of you are newer, so I'm just going to kind of hit the high points. But I was in the marketplace and the senior leader and partner of a very successful financial company selling financial products. And I was kind of doing, you know, what I thought I'd always do. And I was making lots of money, and I was enjoying all the things that that money could afford and had all of the perks like golf memberships and clothing allowances and all those kind of things. And I went on a training event in the U.S., and God showed up clearly during that event. And it, I've never sensed the presence of God any clearer than I did that day. And God says, I have a new dream for you, a new direction. And although I think it was there in small ways, he had already planted the seeds many years before, he clearly told me that day that he wanted me into full-time ministry, and there was no mistake in my mind. The problem is, is it made no sense at all. I thought, really? Really? God, do you know I'm in the middle of what I'm doing, and I'm kind of going in this direction, and I'm in this partnership in this business, and I've got all these investments, and I've got all this debt, and I've got this family. Are you kidding because it didn't make any sense at all. I've got to tell you, if it had come 10 years earlier, it wouldn't have been a dream. It would have been a nightmare. But God put this dream in my heart, and I wanted to shove it aside. And I thought, mm, maybe it's not what He wants. And yet, over the next number of months, He affirmed it time and time again. And there was no mistake about it. It was a God-sized dream. And I had a choice at that moment. I could shove it aside and ignore it and put it aside and say, I'm doing life. I'm in the flow of life, and I can't get out. Or I had the choice to say, I'm going to pursue that no matter what. But God has a way, I'll tell you, of being persistent when you try to shove it aside. And He has a way of taking that seed, and that seed gets bigger, and He shows you why you need to pursue that dream. Now, one of the things that's really important when it comes to these God-sized dreams is that God-sized dreams are only given to those who have God-shaped hearts. You've got to have a heart that's been faithful to God in small things when He's asked you. You've got to have a, a heart that is kind of in tune and in touch and continually connecting with God. You have to have a heart that is positive, not negative, a heart that is not cynical, a heart that is not critical, a heart that is not, you know, negative. And you can't have a heart that is all about you. If it's all about you and not about others, God doesn't always plant these seeds in those kind of hearts, but this is the kind of heart He does. And the other thing is this, is that God-sized dreams always fit who God created you to be. God has given you gifts and abilities and passions and temperament and personality and experiences and abilities. He's given you all of those things, and the dream fits that. 
God would never say, I want you to be a great singer, and you're tone deaf, and you have no singing voice at all. He would never do that because he gives you the dream that fits who you are. And sometimes we have other dreams, and it doesn't fit. We think they're God-sized dreams, but they're not, because the dreams that God gives always fit who we are. So the question is, have you ever sensed that? Have you ever sensed those little seeds that God plants in you, those dreams? Maybe it's something in the past, and you've shoved those seeds kind of deep down inside of you. Or maybe it's just been recent, and you sense God saying, yeah, this is what I want you to do, and he's tugging at you, and you just know it. And many of us get that sense. But you know what happens? We look around at life and say, it is impossible. It could never happen. I got too much that stands in the way, too many obstacles, too many demands, too many things going on. I don't feel adequate. I feel damaged. I feel broken or whatever. I just can't do it right now. I don't think I could do it at all. Some of us, that's our reaction. Others of us go, are you kidding me? And you feel this sense of fear and you feel this sense of sort of anxiety, and it kind of scares you to death to pursue this dream. When God gave me this dream, I thought, it is impossible. The timing couldn't be worse, and I was scared to death to think about it. And I thought, God, this just can't be right. You know, when I was a kid at 19 years old, people said, you should go into ministry. I said, it'll be the last thing in the world I ever do. And God said, you're right, it will be. And so for those of us who have a dream, maybe we feel the seed of whatever it is. I don't know what it is for you. For the next four weeks, we're just going to kind of unpack what these dreams look like. And we're going to think about how to pursue them. And we're going to use one Bible story. There's many of those Bible stories. The Bible is filled with dreamers where God gives them these dreams. We're going to look at one story. And it's a familiar story. It's, the name of, it's a guy by the name of Joseph. And if you're familiar with Broadway, right, he's the guy that wears the multicolored dream cup. And we're going to look at his story. And the story is found in Genesis 37 to Genesis chapter 50. He gets coverage for his story as much as almost anybody in the Bible. And, and, and we're going to start with the dream today. And it says in Genesis 37, 2 to 7, this is the account of Jacob. Now, we need to understand, Jacob is Joseph's father. Jacob will have his name changed to Israel. No, he was not named after the country. The country actually was named after him. And um, Jacob has kind of an up and down life, and, and sometimes his character is in question. In fact, the name Jacob actually means to deceive, and, and he does a lot of this. And at this point in the story, Jacob has two wives and their sisters. It would make a great TV show. And then he has two other women kind of that his two sister wives have blessed, and they're having children as well for him. He has 12 children by four different women. I know there's no dysfunctionality in that at all. It says Joseph, who was kind of really almost at the youngest, he's, there's one brother younger, a young man of 17 was tending the flocks with his brothers the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. They put them actually first. They're the two women. And then his father's wives, the two sisters. And he brought their father a bad report about them. He's a 17-year-old tattletale. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of the other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he had been born to the woman that he loved the most. Okay? And he made Joseph a richly ornamented robe for him. Now, this isn't unusual in the culture. 
Fathers often gave their, 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 a son this very rich kind of um, garment, very rich looking garment, but he gave it to the oldest son, always. That's the way it was done. Here, he's giving it to almost the youngest son. It doesn't make any sense. It's kind of an inverted order. And his brothers saw that the father loved him because of the father changing the birth order more than any of them, and they hated him, and they couldn't speak a kind word to him. Not a fun place to live. Joseph had a dream, first dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more because he said to them, listen to the dream I've had. When we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. He says, what do you think that meant? And they know what it means in the next verse. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream of what he had said. See, this 17-year-old immature tattletale also was kind of immature in the way he told the dream. Goes on. Then he had another dream. He has two of them. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said. And they're probably going, yeah, right. I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. And when he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. He kind of took him to task and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? Like dad gets after him and said, what, what in the world's going on? And here's what I think his dad's doing. He's saying to him, you know, you shouldn't be talking like this. But he still respected the dream because in verse 11 it says this, his brothers were jealous, but his father kept this matter of the dreams in mind because guess what? Jacob was a dreamer. Jacob had a dream, a dream given to his grandfather Abraham and to his father Isaac, and he had the same dream given to him by God that they would, this family would become a great nation, and out of this nation there would be one who would bless the world. They were given that dream. Jacob knows that this is probably a dream that has been given to Joseph by God, and we know it is a God-sized dream because we know the end of the story. Now, here's a bit of advice for those of you who discern and discover your God-sized dream. Process it before you pronounce it. Process it before you pronounce it. Joseph did not do this. And because of his, I think it was a mistake the way he did it, because of his immaturity, and it created all sorts of tension within his family. But Joseph is a dreamer. And sometimes dreamers get a dream and they can't wait to share it. And so for the next few weeks, we're just going to talk about this idea of this dream that God gives us and the potential that he gives us to fulfill that dream and what these dreams look like, because they're not what we sometimes think they are. But today, just because some of you won't be here in all of the weeks, and because we need a kind of an overview, that's what I want to do in just the next, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, just kind of give you an overview of kind of where we're going and some of the key aspects when it comes to these God-sized dreams. Here's the first thing. God has placed the potential in you to achieve the dream He's given you. God has placed within you the potential in order to live out the dream that He has given you. God has wired you up with a personality and gifts and abilities and passion and experience and temperament to achieve these dreams. It might be untapped, it might be unexplored, unknown, or underdeveloped. But God has placed in every one of us, if we are given a dream, even the seed of a dream, God has given us the potential to reach it. You have developed skills and experiences on top of that potential in your journey that God will use to help you achieve the dream. God has never wasted an experience. I mean, Joseph was a leader. 
He had that skill. And we see him leading in Potiphar's house very successfully. And we see him leading in jail very successfully. And we see him leading in the country of Egypt, which all led to the dream becoming a reality. God gave him the gift to reach the dream. On top of that, he had this ability to interpret dreams. And because of that, when he was in prison and because he interpreted the dream of another prisoner, when that prisoner eventually got out and Pharaoh had a dream that no one could interpret, he remembered Joseph, and Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, and that leads to him making his dream a reality. See, God placed in him these gifts and abilities and temperament and personality in order to pursue the dream, and God does the same thing to every one of us. He wires us up a certain way to pursue the dream that He's given us, and He doesn't give us the dream and then give us the potential. He put the potential in long before He gave you the dream. David says about God, he's sort of praying. He says, for you created God, my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully, the word could be awesomely, so you could say, yeah, I'm awesome today, awesomely made. Your works are wonderful. I know them full well. My frame was not hidden you from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You know what he's saying? Before the dream came and before they played out, these are the orda days ordained for me, God wove into you all of the potential that you need to reach the dream, to reach the dream. And maybe right now you start to say, I have the seed of a dream. Then it kind of excites you. But like so many, you say these words, I don't have what it takes. Yes, you do. If it's a God-sized dream, He's given you the potential and the power and the ability to achieve the dreams. Joseph at 17 thought he didn't have what it takes. I sense when God gave me this dream of being in ministry, I did not have the personality or the temperament or the passion or the whatever to pursue this dream. In fact, in my mind, I thought I would be better at blowing up the church than ever building it. And there was this little phrase that I kind of grabbed hold to, and I have, I've kept it around over the years in, in backs of Bibles and, and, and different things, and it was this. You have a limitless God with unlimited power and resources living within you who will provide you all you need to exceed the limits of who you think you are. You have this limitless God with unlimited resources who can put those resources to use in your life to reach the dream. If God is guiding us towards a dream, and we know it's God-sized, He will provide what we need. Secondly, God orchestrates the events to make the dream a reality. God orchestrates these events to make the dream a reality. At the end of the day, when Joseph achieved the God-sized dreams, and he's got his brothers and you know, his father and all of them bowing down before him, he says these words right near the end of Genesis. Joseph said to his brothers, do not or don't be afraid. I am in where? The place of God. God's put me here. This is God's doing. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what? His purpose for what is now being done, the saving of many lives. It was for His glory and for His purpose, and God orchestrated everything to that point in Joseph's life. 
You know, Joseph was mistreated by his brothers, tossed in the pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, forgotten in prison, called to interpret a dream in order for his dream to become a reality. And I'm sure there are times that when he was going through that, it made no sense at all. But as we read the story, we hear these words in the, written by the author of the story, but God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. It said over and over. Why? God is orchestrating the dream. See, in order for the dream to become a reality, he had to get to Egypt. The only way he was going to get to Egypt was to be thrown in a pit, sold into slavery, and taken by these slave traders to Egypt. God orchestrated all of that. The only way the dream was going to become a reality is he had to be able to interpret a dream in prison. How did he get in prison? Because he was falsely accused. And then he interpreted that dream so that later on he would be able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. God orchestrated every one of those events. But when it wasn't all that fun, I'm sure Joseph thought, am I really pursuing the dream? God orchestrates the events, and if he doesn't, it will never happen. If you try to orchestrate or organize the events to reach a dream, you will fail miserably. God has to orchestrate the events. And sometimes while you're pursuing the dream, you'll hit something called the wasteland, where there are detours and there are delays and disappointments and setbacks. And you'll say, I thought I was pursuing the dream. And then you'll start to wonder, am I really? But it's in those very times in the wasteland that God is orchestrating the events. I remember when I started to pursue this dream, there's all sorts of setbacks and disappointments and frustrations. I applied to as many churches that, you know, I could to find some kind of a job and they're I got all these no's, and I applied to schools that didn't seem to be interested. If they were, it seemed to be really difficult to make it all work. And I thought, God, have I got this right? But as I look in the rearview mirror, which is always where you get some of the best views, can't move forward, but it, there's lessons learned. I look in the rearview mirror, and I watch God orchestrate all of the events to make it work so that I could pursue the dream that He placed in my heart. The third thing, and this is what keeps many people from pursuing these dreams, it will take you out of your comfort zone. It will. It'll take you out of your comfort zone. I mean, for Joseph to pursue this dream, he had to be removed from everything that was familiar, from his family, from security, from protection, from money, from love, from comfort, from safety, from security. All of the things that were, you know, that he had, even the coat, he had to, that all had to be left behind. He had to come out of his comfort zone. And a lot of people go, mm, I don't want that. I want to stay comfortable. And a comfort zone keeps many people from pursuing the dream because it's safe and it's secure and it's easy. But what happens over time, as you get older, it gets you trapped. And it can keep you from pursuing the dream. And I know this to be true. As I started pursuing this dream, my dad was a pastor. I knew what this was going to mean. I knew that the house that I lived in, the size of the house was probably not going to be the size of the house I'm going to be able to live in. And it was true. I knew that I was going to take a cut in pay. Not as big as I ended up taking, but I knew it was going to take a cut in pay. I knew that it meant downsizing, giving up the perks that I enjoyed. And I was a senior leader in an industry I knew everything about, well-respected. I knew I was going to have to start all over and be a secondary leader behind somebody else in a much smaller setting. And i got to be honest, when I thought about all of those things, it scared me, and I didn't want to do it. I liked my comfort zone. We all do. 
And a God-sized dream can be so unsettling, almost overwhelming at first. And if you don't have a sense of fear when God gives you the dream, it may not be a God-sized dream because I think fear goes along with it. But some of us get into the flow of life. We've got all these demands and responsibilities and kids and cars and jobs and money and mortgages, and we think, I can't jump out of the flow. And that sometimes seems so difficult. Some of us, we just don't even know how to take the first step, and we feel kind of trapped. We don't know how to move forward. And I got to tell you, the older you get, the more comfortable you get. And sometimes you conclude and concede that it's too late to pursue these God-sized dreams, right? You think, oh, I'm too old. Abraham was 75 years old when God gave him the dream. Moses was 80 years old when God said, lead my people out of Egypt. And there are a lot of people in Scripture that are fairly well in years, and God gives them a dream. I mean, I went through that recently. When I thought of it, I've always had this dream of going back to school and, and getting a certain degree, but it was the kind of the course that it was all about. And I dreamed about that, and then I, as time went on, years went on, I thought, impossible. Age is against me. Until somebody kind of pointed out and said, no, it shouldn't be, and, and helped me to see that and some other factors that stood in the way. And I, and I kind of, I'm, I, I'm now pursuing that. And I don't know what God's going to do with it. But I'm glad I did. But when you pursue it, sometimes it'll take you out of your comfort zone. You just need to know that. Fourthly, fourthly, there will be opposition and obstacles. There just will. As you pursue this dream, there's going to be obstacles that stand in the way. Joseph had obstacles. He had his brothers. He had the pit. He had slavery. He had falsely accused. He had prison. He had all of those things, forgotten in prison. All of those things were obstacles to the dreams. Obstacles happen. When I was kind of pursuing this dream, all sorts of obstacles came in our way. All sorts of them. There will be obstacles. Secondly, there will be opposition. You know why? Because when you have these kind of dreams, sometimes the people who are closest to you, you're going to pull them out of their comfort zone. They want comfort. They want security. And they don't want a dream. And when you dream, it sometimes affects their lives, and they don't like it. And they will discourage you, and they will question your ability or your potential to reach it, and some of them will think you're downright foolish. This happened to me. I had some people say some very hurtful and some very harmful and some very negative things when I was going to pursue this. One of my closest friends said to me, you know what? God doesn't need any more professional Christians. That's what he said. I went, is he Right? And yet, it's what happens. And if you're going to pursue one of these and you think, well, it'll be obstacle-free or opposition-free, you're dreaming wrong because it's part of the journey and you need to know it. And then lastly, God-sized dreams start by taking small steps, small steps. And it takes many years of small steps for it to become a reality, to achieve the dream. He places the dream, the nugget of the dream in our heart, and it develops. And then we take smaller steps, and a little bit bigger, and a little bit bigger, and a little bit bigger. And then sometimes we take that very big step. In my life, I know God was planting the seed long before I took the big step. And for Joseph, it took him over 20 years to achieve the dream. And it takes us longer as well. And sometimes, you know what, when we're waiting for the dream and we're walking the journey, God does stuff in us before the dream happens. And in the time 
where it's taking in those, sometimes in the wasteland. God develops our character and builds our faith and our trust and our endurance. And here's what I want to say. Sometimes what you learn while you're pursuing the dream is just as important as achieving the dream altogether. For me, I, I know what this is like. And it sometimes can feel disappointing and discouraging. I remember I applied for churches for any role. I'd have been the janitor for heaven's sake. And everybody said no. Decided to go back to school and it seemed like there were all sorts of obstacles and setback. I never gave up. And I'd love to say, and I was so patient through it all, but Sue's sitting down here right now, and she'll tell you different. I was so impatient. Then one day God orchestrated the events that I went to the best church possible to begin this dream, best church I could have been sent to. And then a few years later, God made it possible through orchestrating a whole bunch of events so that I could come to Lakeside. And I'm here to tell you, I am living the life of my dream because I'm achieving God's dream for my life. And for those of you who feel that restlessness and feel like God is planting something or has planted something and maybe you've shoved it down, you need to ask yourself this question. This is what I want you to start with by just asking. Just start identifying the dream. Don't worry about all the steps and how you're going to make it happen. Don't get ahead of yourself. But ask this question. What dream has God placed in my heart? What dream do I think that God has placed within me? And maybe it's getting alone with a journal and praying to God and doing some listening and some, you know, God will kind of prod you and push your thinking and lead and guide you, discern that, and write it down, articulate it. I know somebody who, um, who created what's called a dream board. They put pictures off the internet and photographs and so on of what the dream would look like, and they kept that close so they could visualize the dream. And then once you sort of get a sense of what it is, share it with a few trusted friends, but nobody whose comfort zone you're going to disrupt. Just somebody, and ask yourself, does it meet the criteria? And then say, I wonder how it could become a reality, and could it? And when you start to think about it, it will make you feel like, I'm going to come out of my comfort zone, and you've got to know there's obstacles and opposition, and there's going to be, you're going to question, is this really God's dream? It's all going to happen. And for those of us who are dreamers who know what that's like, there's this one verse that's so important, Ephesians 3.20, now to Him, now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine, or dream could be the word, the, all that we ask or dream of according to His power that's working within us. We have the potential to reach a dream, and God will give it to us maybe even more ways than we think possible today. And so it's time to start to dream again for some of us, to find those God-sized dreams, even just start to identify them. Don't worry about how to get there. Just begin to worry about how to identify it. Just think about it and ponder that. And I think as a church, we need to start to dream again. We've done some big dreaming in the past, but I think it's time to dream big again, really big, you know, big, hairy, audacious dreams. And if God is guiding a dream that He's given you, know that He's going to, you know, give you all you need, all the potential to pursue it. So what dream is God putting in your heart? And I want you to think, imagine if you pursued that dream. What would it do to you? How would you feel inside? But it's not just about you. How would it bring glory to God? How would it fulfill His purpose? And how would it enrich the lives of others? I think there are some of you here who know what I'm talking about. You've pursued these dreams. You've felt that nugget, and you've done it, and you're going, he's right, he's right. When you pursue the dream and start to live the dream, it does something to you and to people and to God. And so I think it's time for some of us to start to dream again. Let's pray. 
Father God, we just give you thanks for all of us who sense that you're putting that restlessness in our soul and our spirit to get out of the shore of safety and get onto the water where there's wind and there's waves and there's storms but that's where life is found and dreams are accomplished and achieved. And Father God, I just pray for those who think it's impossible, remind them that it's not. Just help them to begin to discern, even if only they do in the next little while, discern what the dream might be. Lord God, give them a dream. May they have the heart of a dreamer. And may those dreams one day just satisfy their soul. And may they make a difference in this world. And may they bring you glory and fulfill your purpose. So Father God, let us not be resistant, but may we release ourselves in surrender and submission, our hearts and our minds to you, so that you can plant dreams in them, so that we may dream again. We pray, pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you, guys. I think of these words from Sir Francis Drake. said these words. kind of reminds me of this song. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too small. We arrived safely because we sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of the things we possess, we have lost our thirst for the waters of life, have fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity. In our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery. We're losing sight of land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. It's written in 1577. Disturb us, Lord. And that's what we're just talking about. God, just disturb us a little. Start to plant those dreams and those seeds of dreams so that over time we can achieve what you want for your glory, but for our, for our fulfilling and satisfaction. So we're going to continue this next week. And uh, we're going to look at some of those op obstacles and uh, opposition that stand in the way of our dreams. God bless. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To hear it again or other messages, please visit us at lakesidechurch.ca.